Hello, everyone. Welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is David Rowlands. I'm the head of content, and I'm joined today by uh, MX Group's Tony Riley. So, Tony, thank you for joining us today. First things first, can you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background in B2B to date? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, David. It's always great working with you, and I appreciate what you do. Uh, my name is Tony Riley. I'm the president and CEO of the MX Group. We, uh, my background, um, you know, is somewhat unique. I uh, started in this business with uh, Andy Muller and Pete Robleski, who are the two founders of the MX Group, and I had the the fortune of working with them for several years directly underneath them. Uh, early in my career where I learned a lot about B2B. I understood um, how complex the buying process was, how long the sales cycle was, um, understood buying groups and buyers. And they really taught me um, the importance of alignment with sales and marketing. And so, um, you know, I gained a really great foundation from them um, early in my career. Uh, like most, I felt like I could uh, do it better and do it on a larger scale. So at a certain point, I decided to to leave and go to a larger uh, agency and kind of go the holding company route. And what I found there was that um, B2B within those larger holding companies is nothing like B2B like we know it. They, you know, they tend to um, think that business to business marketing is shooting a 30 second commercial with a hard hat and a laptop or an iPad in somebody's hand. Uh, and so after doing that for several years, I thought, you know, we, we could definitely do B2B bigger on a bigger scale and better than what um, some of the global providers are doing. Uh, and so I had the fortune of coming back to the MX group and um, uh, now leading what is one of the largest independent and fastest growing B2B agencies in the country. It's a passion of mine. Fantastic. So obviously we are here today to speak specifically about uh, the number of mergers, acquisitions and, and consolidation within the agency landscape, particularly over the sort of last year or so. Um, and MX group have obviously been very active on this front as well. So Tell me, who have MX Group acquired and what was the reason behind this acquisition? Yeah, I would, you know, um, so first of all, I would say, you know, we're compared to some others, uh, there's some that are much, there's some other agencies that are much more active in this space than we are. Um, but uh, I have the fortune of, of actually the MX Group being pursued by many of the agencies that are looking to acquire and also by many agencies that are looking to be acquired. And so I kind of have a really, I think, a unique um, view of what's going on in the industry. We personally just made an acquisition in the content marketing space, um, and that was really the, the result of both opportunity and need. Uh, we work a lot in a partnership model with agencies, and we do that so that we can scale and grow um, as fast as we can without having to build or buy every service uh, or every um, geographic footprint that we need. And it just so happened that along the way, we met a really great individual uh, in James Myers, who is the founder of Imagination. Um, he kind of was uh, the founder of content marketing before content marketing was cool. And, um, you know, he's done a lot of great things in that space, including creating the Thought Leadership Index with Northwestern, uh, their journalism school, um, you know, really bringing creative into the content for. And for us, uh, we aligned on values. We aligned really on an understanding of the B2B space. And so that was the opportunity side. Um, the need really came from the reality that, uh, you know, we do a lot of work in the brand demand and digital space. And, you know, name one of those types of activities that does not um, benefit from content, whether you're, you know, um, doing brand awareness and you need thought leadership, uh, you're doing demand generation and you need content in order to help create a great experience and nurture leads. Um, 
or you're developing a digital footprint, you want to make sure that that digital footprint is optimized for search. Content can really play across all those pieces. Um, and the last thing I would say about imagination is what attracted us to them was their brand of content is objective and informed. It's not high velocity, high output promotional content. It's deep content that is of value to its audience. And so we saw that as a real opportunity in the B2B space. Fantastic. So why have you actually started acquiring now? Is it just the case that MX Group have, you know, you suddenly have the resources to start buying? Or is there something happening in the market right now that was really the influencer behind your decision? A little bit of both, David. I'd say, um, you know, first of all, um, we are fortunate enough that based on our growth, we were able to finance our own acquisition. And so we were able to do that uh, on our own balance sheet, which um, is, I think, something that's a little bit unique in the space today um, compared to some of the agencies that are going through PE backing or they're a part of larger holding companies. Um, so we did have the ability to make the acquisition. Um, but one of the reasons why it's happening is because, as you probably can see, there is uh, rampant acquisition and consolidation happening across the B2B uh, landscape. I'm, I'm fully anticipating that the league tables next year are going to be a lot different than what they were this year. Yeah, absolutely. And and if anyone's wondering, by the league tables, referring to the annual uh, UK and US uh, B2B marketing agencies benchmarking reports. Um, these are published uh, once a year and they essentially show you know, the biggest agencies, the fastest growers, the rising stars um, and uh, everything else you might care to get to want to know. Um, but Tony, obviously, you know, as you've mentioned, it's not just MX Group that's acquiring other agencies. We've obviously seen a number of agencies follow a similar path. Have you noticed any trends in the types of agencies that are being acquired or are they usually just sort of, you know, do it all integrated agencies? You know, I think there is a couple of trends, David, and I'd love to know if you've seen anything different. But, um, you know, I think on one side you have your um, your kind of global B2B networks, right? And I don't know if those are actually acquisitions, but if you look at the likes of MSQ B2B, uh, the marketing practice, BBN International, there are these global networks that are taking different a different approach where they're really um, partnering or acquiring a large um, number of agencies and almost assembling them in a network um, similar to what we've seen out of the IPGs and publicists of the past. Uh, and so you kind of have that happening, right? Um, MSQ B2B, I think, has nine or 10 uh, different agencies with their different personalities and specialisms all rolling up underneath that brand. Uh, at the same time, you've got B2B specialists that are, you know, maybe specialists in demand, data, PR, but have a specialism in B2B that are trying to be acquired by those global networks. Um or possibly some of the global full service B2B agencies. You know, I think that uh, Transmission, Gravity Global have done a great job out there of developing a real global full service offering. Um, and so you can see that those B2B specialists are trying are realizing that it's probably better for them to be a part of a larger, more scalable um, organization. And then you also have these global agencies that are really probably more consumer than they are B2B, but they see what's happening in B2B. And so they're trying to acquire uh, B2B agencies in order to provide that specialism and capitalize on, on the trend. Um, so I think that's really what I'm seeing is you got the B2B specialists trying to be acquired, the global B2B and B2C agencies that are trying to acquire more B2B in order to, to fill out their B2B capabilities. You've got these global B2B networks um, and then you've got agencies like uh, the MX Group that are really trying to grow and, and really just maintain a um, one agency, one vision, one mission with a global uh, offering. So mm. a couple different trends happening there. 
And I guess I would be remiss to not mention some of the consultancies that are now also getting in and now acquiring agencies as well. That's probably a whole nother, uh, a n- whole nother trend in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll come on to that. But with MX Group in particular, obviously you've mentioned you know, there's different types of acquisitions and, and certain agencies looking for different things. With MX, you've obviously acquired a, a you know a content agency in, in particular. Was Is that something you expect to do more of in the future? Are you looking for certain specialist agencies that you can acquire? Or are you looking to really just acquire more and more partners and grow the overall sort of MX brand? Well, um, a couple of thoughts. One is for MX specifically, what we do, um, I think one of the values, one of one one piece of value that we provide to both clients and agency partners is scale within the United States. U.S. is one of the largest growth markets for any B2B brand. Um, it's going to probably become even more important this next year as all of us, uh, knock on wood, face a pending recession. But in the U.S., the dollar strong energy costs are not what um, people are experiencing like in your uh, part of the world, David, um, and some of the others. And so I think the U.S. will continue to be a strong growth market. And um, we know unequivocally that clients want a, when they think about a global partner, they want scale in the markets that they're trying to grow in. And so for us, we'll continue to add scale in the United States of America. Uh, We'll continue to add capabilities um, that are needed by clients. Uh, And we'll also continue to add um, mass to our existing capabilities. I wrote a, you know, I wrote an article for B2B marketing um, for you guys uh, in the league tables, probably three or four years ago. That was, uh, it was about the agency of the future. And I don't know if you remember that piece, but it was published in the league tables. And I talked about how I think that the agency of the future is what I call an intelligently integrated agency, an agency that bases its value on a deep understanding of a client's business and is willing to bring in other agencies and partners along the way in order to do the work that it needs to. Um, I think that is the model of the future and what we're seeing and why we're seeing so much consolidation uh, as compared to the model of old, which was have an agency ecosystem with a myriad of specialist agencies, uh, one that's handling your brand, another one digital, another one demand. Um, I think we're seeing that that model does not work and it doesn't work for clients very well. And so we'll continue to uh, grow with that in mind. Mm. Now, of course, it's not just agencies acquiring agencies, as you mentioned earlier. Um, we actually saw Capgemini recently acquire 23Red, a creative agency with clients mainly in the in the public sector, I believe. I know you don't have inside information at Capgemini, um, but do you think this is something of a, a one-off? Or do you expect to see more acquisitions like this? And, and if so, why? Um, I don't think it's a one-off. You know, as I mentioned, we we are fortunate that we're contacted by a lot of um, organizations that are interested in the MX group. And so I don't think the Capgemini is the only consultancy that's interested and really got diving into the B2B space. I think we will continue to see more of that. Um, I think the reason predominantly uh, is because as a consultancy, you tend to have that um, C-suite attention and buyer, right? You're usually integrated with the CMO, uh, the COO, the CEO of the organization that you're working with. And that's something that agencies have always fought to get to, right? We can make, we can transform a business. We can make real impact, but we're struggling to get up the food chain, trying to get higher than just the marketing level in order to drive that impact. Consultancies are already there, right? And so what they're doing now is they're acquiring the creative capabilities to be able to say, this is our transformation strategy. This is how we're going to drive change. And we have the resources in order to bring that change to life. Um, 
I think the model uh, makes sense. And, you know, like I said earlier, it makes a lot more sense to me than having a consultancy do their part than bring in a separate agency to do their part. So I think for those reasons, we'll continue to see that happen. Mm. And you mentioned a minute ago about, you know, what you call intelligently integrated agencies, if I've I've got that right. Um, Now, you know, I, I believe you were mentioning that in terms of agencies working with other agencies, but do you actually also expect to see more agencies acquire marketing technology providers um, as part of that overall product or service offering, if you like? Or do you expect, you know, larger agencies to continue focusing their efforts just on acquiring other agencies? You know, um, I did on the intelligently integrated front, just a quick note on that. I do think that when I, when I speak about that, I think that is about um, bringing in partner agencies, being willing to work within a larger ecosystem. That partner, that partner might not just be an agency. It might be an architectural firm. It might be a software provider. Um, but it's really understanding that your value is that understanding of the client, their business, their buyers, the buying cycle, and then being able to leverage other um, organizations to benefit what you're doing in the marketing space, whether those are buy or build. Um, to answer your second question, though. Uh, you know, do I think that marketing or agencies will acquire other marketing technology companies? That's a good one. I have not seen that yet. I guess if I was to kind of talk through it, you know, first, I do believe that there's a very real difference between a product and a services business. Um, I've seen that firsthand. The MX group um, is fortunate that we have a uh, in-house, in-depth custom app development capability. Um, it's a large part of what we do. We have attempted in the past to transform that to a product offering. And it's a really different mindset or a different way you run a business. Um, and so I, because of that, I think it would be hard for agencies to acquire uh, marketing technology products. Um, but I do think that um, larger agencies will continue to hire agencies or, or partner with agencies that know how to leverage that technology to their benefit. And that's really the space that I see agencies providing the most value in that space, right? They don't need to create the products. Salesforce and all of these others are out there doing it. But if they know how to integrate that to work best for their clients, um, I think that's where the value's at. So my guess is no, but um, it won't be the first time I've been proven wrong. Fantastic. Well, another thing I want to speak about, um, marketing generally is a discipline. I I think it's fair to say it's become you know, increasingly accountable for a bigger and bigger share of the funnel, particularly since um, you know, COVID-19 first came on the scene. Do you think that this is this, sorry, do you think that this need to do more and more within the marketing department has something to do with the trend of consolidation in the agency industry? So by that, what I mean is, you know, our agencies required to do so many more new things because they're now responsible for a great share of the, the funnel that they now need that extra resource and those extra capabilities. It's another, another good question. I, I don't think it's the the result of agencies being asked to do more. I think agencies have always, and marketers, um, have always been uh, required or they've been at least asked to work across the funnel. I believe that the consolidation is really being driven by what I mentioned previously. I think the model of an agency ecosystem with a myriad of specialist agencies that then requires a marketer to align roles and responsibilities, delegate work across multiple agencies, try to in, institute a common brand uh, position across all of those agencies. I think we're finding that that's more of a um, of a hassle than trying to find an agency partner that can work across most of those areas. Also, from procurement de- um, departments, I don't think it's anything new to say that they're looking to to partner with 
fewer larger agencies because it raises their ability to negotiate rates, um, to make sure that they're very high up on an agency's list of top clients to make sure that they're getting the right talent and attention with inside of an agency. Um, and so I don't think that this this push towards agencies working across full funnel is really the result of anything new other than we're seeing that the model that we had before probably is not the model for the future. Um, and that's leading to a bunch of consolidation within the space. Yeah, fair enough. Um, one thing you mentioned very uh, early on in the call um, was this, well, well, actually, I'm putting words in your mouth. Um, you know, B2B is obviously historically was seen as sort of the poor cousin of B2C. And you mentioned about, you know, the old adverts with people in hard hats holding iPads for a 30-second <laughs> advert. Um, you know, thankfully, this is beginning to change, or, I, you know, I like to think has changed. Do yes. you feel that the, you know, the elevated status of B2B, if you like, and the recognition of just how much money there is to be made in this space will encourage non-specialist agencies to acquire B2B specialists? I would say hell yes. I mean, I, honestly, I think, you know, um, David, I think that what's rewarding for me and people like you that have been in B2B and have understood it for a long time is we've kind of, we've seen this, we've known that while the um, the perception of B2B was what we described before, right? That agencies are just putting hard hats on people. We know that there's a lot of agencies out there that have done real B2B work for a very long time and have understood the opportunity within the B2B space. Um, what I think we're seeing now, though, is that the growth um, in B2B is just astronomical. You know, I read the other day, 50% of the global economy is, is comes from B2B sales. $9 trillion is from B2B sales. That's half of the global economy. And if you think about the brands of the future and where the growth is, um, you know, soft drinks as a category is about a $434 billion business growing at about 4% per year. Cloud computing is double that at 800 billion and growing at 18% a year. There were 10 successful tech IPOs in 2021. Nine out of 10 of those were B2B brands. So I think that everybody is understanding that growth is not in designer shoes. Um, it's not in your, you know, your newest soft drink. It really is in the infrastructure and platforms that are going to power the world. Um, I don't think you've, I don't have to tell you this, but the uh, Future Brands Index was recently published. I was also very happy to see that four out of the top five brands in that index are now B2B brands because consumers understand that their future is dependent upon the brands that will build the infrastructure that we're all going to rely on. Um, and so I think it's no secret that money, resources are flooding in the B2B space. Uh, I think that is going to definitely lead smart businesses to where they've always been, which is where is the revenue. Uh, and they're going to look at it and they're going to say, how can we acquire more in um, B2B? Where I think that's probably coming from are a lot of PE-backed firms. That's why you've seen some of those firms go out there and acquire five, eight agencies inside of a year. You're going to see the holding companies, the Dentsu's, IPG's, publicists of the world continue to take an interest in B2B. Um, I think you're going to see those consultancies that have the money in order to take that interest. And so, um, you know, the parity that we once had in the league tables where the top 25 were separated by, you know, 10, 15 million in revenue, I think that's probably going to start to get a little bit more distinct and we're going to start to see some definite levels uh, exist inside of that um, table. 
Mm. Now, we've obviously spoken a lot about the, you know, the agency landscape and what this means for agencies big and small. But I'd like to just speak a little bit more about the client's perspective on here. So what do you think that all of this consolidation and acquisition means for them? Are we, for instance, seeing a, a, a world in which, you know, clients almost have very little choice? You know, there might only be a handful of big agencies to go to. Or are we actually seeing a world in which agencies can now offer so much um, and deliver better and better experiences and improve results that it's only a good thing for clients? Hmm. You know, I, I think we're, you and I are talking, um, at least me, I'm talking in you know extremes about what's happening in the space. I think there's always going to be choice for clients. Um, you know, we as an agent, we as agencies exist uh, really to make sure that we're servicing our clients appropriately and, you know, making an impact in doing so. So I think there's always going to be choice. You know, your smaller to mid-size uh, marketers will will always have the opportunity to work with really great uh, regional agencies that can deliver results for them or that have a specialism in an industry or um, a vertical. I think now what this is going to provide is for the first time, global B2B marketers will really have the opportunity to work with global B2B agencies. I mean, if you look at the agency landscape, um, there was not too many that could really really claim scale on a global level and specificity in B2B. You might have a, you know, a global marketer that puts something up for bid and says, uh, yeah, we need offices in you know Europe and Asia and the United States, and you know that's pitched by a big holding company. But really, when you get underneath it, you might find that they have a great B two B offering in the UK, the US office. It's a fraction of what they do, and really nothing at all in Asia, right? Or you might have a um, one of the newer B two Bs that's that's popped up where you think, okay, they've got scale across the globe. But when you get into it, it's people in. You know, you know, it's a um, a pin on a map represents you know five or ten people that are in an office, right, or co-located. Um, and so I think what to answer your question succinctly, I think B two B marketers will always have the opportunity to work with those smaller regional or specialist B two B shops. But now, for the first time, they are going to actually have the ability to work with global full service B two B agencies that actually have the scale to deliver across the globe. Um, and that's pretty exciting. Absolutely. Yeah, I can agree more. Um, now, obviously, at the beginning of the call, we mentioned the uh, B2B Marketing US Agencies Benchmarking Report, and we're actually going to uh, launch the, the latest survey of that in uh, hopefully January next year, so very shortly. Um, but just going back to the last year's report, top of the list of um, challenges that we asked uh, agencies about was the ability to attract and or retain quality staff. Now, that survey was completed in January 2022, so it, almost a whole year ago. Um, I'm just interested to know, do you think that that challenge is still as big as it was then? Or do you think that challenge is sort of falling down the rankings a bit? Hmm. Um, I think it's I think it's a, a shifted if I'm if I'm honest, David, I think that talent become, is still, you know, number one on every agency's priority list. Right. We're a people business. Our, our product is the the talent of the people that sit out right outside of this uh, the room I'm in. Um and uh, but I do think it's shifting from attracting and retaining talent to um, engaging and empowering talent. Like most agencies, uh, we've probably adopted two new ways of working over the last several years. Um, and that creates a different work environment uh, and a whole new set of challenges. And so while I think that the economy uh, might impact the amount of people that agencies are, are hiring and might slow that down to where it's not as much of a, an issue to find the talent, I think it's still going to be an issue for agencies to figure out, do they have the right work 
um, to actually engage their talent? Do they feel like these are brands and opportunities that they want to work on? And because of the distributed nature of our workforce today, do they have the information and tools to empower them to make decisions, move and make an impact on a client's business when you are in a distributed uh, environment and you need to act independently um, in a lot of ways? So I think that the dynamic is kind of shifting from attract and retain to engage and empower. Fantastic. And um, I, I hate to end on a negative question, but I think it's an important one regardless. Um, obviously, there's a you know a, a recession on the way, as, as we all know. How do you think the marketers, both agency and client side, should navigate this recession? You know, where do you think their focus areas should be from from a marketing point of view? Yeah, if you you know, um, because we're connected on uh, LinkedIn, I know you've seen this, but I really have been evangelizing. I, I kind of see marketers immediately um, go to, well, it makes sense to cut our marketing budgets when we're going into a recessionary environment. First, I'll say this is a that one of the most interesting dynamics I have seen uh, in um, in business today. Right, most companies are coming off of what was one of their best years that they've had last year, uh, and now it, we have not really seen it impact in uh, the actual sales or revenue of organizations, but we've seen interest rates raising, energy costs raising. So we know this is going to happen, but we are still in that little in between. Um, I think what's important for marketers to remember is that they're that in eight to 12 months um, will be outside of this recession. Uh, and they need to ask themselves the question, well, they've done the work to make themselves a better on the other side of that than they were going into it. You know, I think that it's easy to say, let's cut marketing budgets, let's really hunker down. But then what's going to happen? Eight months is going to go like that. And we're going to look at it and say, okay, and then what did my competition do while I was, you know, um, you know, uh pulling back? So for me, um, a couple of thoughts are, you know, one is it's not about cutting um, marketing budgets, it's about investing the marketing budgets in the right, um, the right context. And I think that too often as B2B marketers, we think about demand as in net new buyers. And so how do we go out and we penetrate a new market? We grow our wallet share within an existing market. That might not be the best approach um, in the um in the you know the, over the next uh six to 12 months. It might be better to think about um, how you can leverage your brand uh, and invest in brand to have not only an immediate term impact or support your immediate term marketing efforts, but to have a longer term impact so that when you come out of the recession, your brand has gained awareness, gained perception. That same branding effort can be used to help with manufacturers recruit. I have very few manufacturing clients that aren't recruiting like crazy in order to fulfill their facilities. Um, and people want to work with brands that they feel like that they recognize and that they are um, they're interested in. So that same type of work can help there. Um, I also think that, you know, if you're looking at your marketing investments in totality, you know, understand that retaining and um, retaining talent or retaining your customers in the year ahead will be just as important as um, growing your customer base. And so kind of retention and loyalty um, activities will uh, be important. Fantastic. Well, Tony, thank you for your time today. I think we'll end it there. But thank you to all our listeners as well for listening to uh, another episode of the B2B Marketing Podcast. We'll see you again soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.